There's a question that I've been pondering lately that maybe mm. you might be able to help me with. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to a lot of my questions. Who, who do you think would win in a fight? Mm-hmm. Sharks that are 47 meters down in the water or vultures that are 2,000 feet up in the air? Do they have to stay at that elevation? Yes. Well. <laughs> yes, it's part of the movie. Sorry. I'm, I'm not sure who would win. I think sharks might live longer. If the birds can't <laughs> land. <laughs> oh, no. It's a real battle of attrition. So if they're going to outlast them, then I guess I got to give it to the sharks. <laughs> oh, well, I guess the sharks would. I mean, it's, it's kind of, honestly, the sharks would win if they, <laughs> if they came in contact with each other as well. <laughs> so. Well, that's a weird question. Well, it seems like a perfectly normal like, question. Well, who would to me, win a yeah. fight? Forty-seven meters down or forty-seven meters up? <laughs> wow! If only someone would make a movie about a person trapped forty-seven meters up. I mean, I know I've seen forty-seven meters down, the uh, horror masterpiece. But as far as I know, we're not talking about forty-seven meters down. What possibly have to do with the movie we're talking about today? See, now I was actually hoping to ask you this question. (laughs) (laughs) The only connection that I've been able to find between 47 Meters Down from 2017 and Fall from 2022, the movie we'll be talking about today, is that two of the producers, uh, James Harris and Mark Lane, worked on both movies. Is that is is that the connection because they were like different studios different production companies different uh, distributors different writers different directors you've hit upon the one reason why these poor producers who have come up with an amazing formula for films could not title this movie 47 meters up which is what they clearly wanted to do it wouldn't have been as high up as they wanted it to be if they'd called it 47 (laughs) meters up (laughs) it would have been a somewhat you know it would have been a a dangerous height (laughs) no it's it's very high it's just not like astoundingly high (laughs) you know the movie we're talking about is titled fall from 2022 yeah. It is a survival horror, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. One of those survival suspense thriller horror type things. Yeah. Like yeah. Frozen, not the Disney film. It was uh, directed and written by Scott Mann, also written by Jonathan Frank. Really good movie. Uh, I'd encourage anyone to see it. If you like survival movies, it is a right. fantastic addition to the genre. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. You know, you just go in there to enjoy the suspense and not think too hard about it because we're going to do that for you. Yeah, (laughs) we love thinking too hard about movies. Go and watch it because it's great. And we are going to go way into spoilers here. So before that, hello and welcome to The Popcorn Isn't Real. This is the podcast where we talk about fan theories and do deep dives into films, trying to find alternate interpretations to blow your minds and possibly ruin your childhoods. Though, not the childhood. Nobody saw case. Fall as a child, <laughs> yeah. I hope. Because if they did, they are still a child. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we do that. Anyway, uh, and welcome to any new listeners we have. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we've got an amazing guest. We have the writer and director of the movie we're talking about today, Fall. Welcome to our podcast, Scott Mann. Uh, Hello. Thanks for having me. The first question I wanted to ask, just to start things off, was how did you end up on the project Fall? How did this project kind of begin? 
It was myself and Jonathan Frank, the co-writer. The kernel of the idea, I think, came, came about when we were shooting a film called Final Score in London. And we were doing a kind of crazy stunt with uh, Dean Batista riding a motorcycle off the top of a, a building or something. What really scared us was where we were stood with the monitor. There was kind of a sheer drop really nearby. And it was about eight to ten story drop straight down. I remember the feeling it gave Jono and I, who were both kind of scared of heights, uh, just this this terror of like, please, no one go near the edge and like just stay away. And we start, start talking about the nature of heights and, and fear of death. And it's kind of a universal fear that whilst we've used it in films um, uh, in the past for a sequence, maybe, or, or, you know, in different sequences and some really good memorable ones over time, but uh, it never been the kind of core uh, element of of a movie, you know, the theme, you know, to really kind of go into and look at all the different flavors of it, the psychology of it, and, and really have fun with it. So I think it was really born around then. The plot for Fall is pretty straightforward. Is it though? It's kind of well, convoluted with like gets, the relationship between yeah. them. And... But these two young women, are trying to get over the death of their friend slash husband slash lover. And they decide to climb to the top of a very tall tower and they get stuck there and then they try to get down. And that's the movie. Like there is obviously a story, uh, you know, that's being told through this film, which is, you know, there's especially on the character side, I would say. But I think the, the central thing was rather than being plotty, be kind of, like be about the the roller coaster ride, you know, be about the feelings that mm-hmm. we're kind of taking the audience through and be conscious of that and kind of connect through our characters to take us on that ride. And 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 so yeah. it was very um it was definitely I even before finishing the film, I, I remember because it was very minimalist the way we went about filming it, because it was very like real, it was definitely like my favorite filming experience I've ever done. It was very kind of raw and film grammar-like in terms of like, okay, we want to capture this and and we want to convey this. It was a really nice um, even though it was really hard, it was a really nice movie to make, you know, like the best one, yeah. my favorite I've ever been involved with for sure. Some interesting tidbits about the filming of the movie. In the movie, the abandoned 2,000-foot-tall B-67 TV tower is actually inspired by the KXTV KOVR radio tower in Walnut Grove, California. That's what they use for, like, the establishing shots of the tower and everything. But for the up-close shots, they actually built, like, a 100-foot-high platform on top of a 2,000-foot-high cliff? Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? That's, yeah. Because no, that's insane. Yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I learned this from the film's producer, a guy called James Harris. He'd done a bunch of great genre movies, right? One of which, uh, 47 Meters Down, um, obviously dealt with a lot of water and a lot of uh, depth. Yeah, great movie. He really pushed hard right from the start, like, do it for real. When you do something for real, it, it seems to capture this energy that goes beyond even the, the performance itself. It's like, I, I think when you're on set, the environment kind of feeds the performances and those performances feed the crew and feed the storytelling and the, and the capturing of a great, uh, you know, great moments. And I think that to do that, yeah, you really had to put it in, in a real situation. You know, I did I did actually look and research into virtual environments and things like this. And, and we did some test cases on the guys who did the Mandalorian stage and doing a vertical one to kind of look down. But but I, I think, again, all the other elements really were worth worth the trouble of basically like going around California. It was actually COVID time as well. So I remember myself and James. <laughs> James, who, by the way, if there's anyone on the film is more scared of heights, it's James. Like when I was driving up <laughs> these mountains, like in the desert, James was panicking and screaming about how we were going to die. Um, and we went to all these remote, remote locations uh, and, and, and just tried to find 
uh, the the right height, the right kind of environmental kind of feel um, to get as high as we possibly could with the greatest drop off we possibly could. Um, and it took it took several uh, probably months in the end to find the right site. Um, and in the end, if I refer- so you made James go visiting cliffs for yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it was uh, You're just yeah. torturing him. Totally, it was it was absolute torture. I think if James, if you ask James what is what his worst film he's ever worked on, but maybe his favorite film of all, it's probably this one, right? Because it was it really put him through the the paces. But um, they ended up finding the site that we filmed at. It was the top of a place called Shadow Mountain in the middle of the desert. They found it by going on Google Earth and kind of just looking at the altitude heights to places that were high <laughs> enough and skimming along and finding these like remote <laughs> locations. And it turns out they're all like a lot of them are kind of like, you know, on the edge of military sites and all, you know, they're all in the middle of bloody nowhere. Right. So, but yeah, we found this location. I remember being up there and, and there was just enough room. There was kind of an area like a flat area where we we looked and, and kind of figured, right, if we can get. Uh, the the structure up here and and actually the technocrane was the biggest challenge getting the technocrane up there we had to essentially build parts of the road up to the mountain so we could get the vehicles that were able to lift it up so it became a big engineering effort and a big a big haul to get everyone up there but once we we're up there we were able just to shoot and it was all real and and then you only really have to do the augmentation on the visuals when you look down past a certain point it was kind of a one-time thing, but once we got it, it was uh, it was great to be able to do it. Really cool. I like the kind of the meta narrative you're telling here, where you you saw Dave Batista was doing a stunt and it terrified you and stressed you out. You're like, let's do that for an entire shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all inspired by Dave Batista on a motorcycle. It's uh, jumping off the West Ham roof. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it's funny. Basically, you picked the top of a cliff in the middle of a desert so of course there's no way to get there no it's, it's logistically <laughs> and a, like, a, a hey, disaster let's bring a bunch of cranes and, and, construction and can, I say, can i just say the other layer of, of complication not to make it complicated enough getting people out to the desert like the whole drive to the desert from the hotel was was it an hour an hour and a half and then we had to get to the bottom of the mountain and then get these little kind of cars up the top and then the actors had to get prepared and, and basically it amounted to pretty much a four-hour shooting day once we were up there. It became this very intense thing where the actors, uh, uh, where Ginny and Grace really had to go up there. And th- we had a window usually, once they're up there, they're pretty trapped up there. So it's like hard, you know, because you're getting on cherry pickers and going do, 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 all the way at the top and we're getting in position, we're shooting. But I remember we pretty much had segments of two hours shooting, which was usually limited by Grace's bladder, which meant breaking for lunch. Mm-hmm. Then it meant going back up, going here for another two hours. That was kind of the what dictated schedule. It was quite the effort, I think. <laughs> the first time I saw the trailer for this movie, I mean, it looked uh-huh. pretty cool. Uh, it's like it ridiculous so and epic and just like suspenseful. And then it won me over when it flashed the message on the screen from the producers of 47 Meters Down. And I was like, oh, it's 47 Meters Up! That's what we called it on, that's what we called it on set, yeah. by the way. On set, we jokingly called it 47 Meters Up. Oh though. my yeah. gosh. Yeah, we totally called it back. That's literally what Leif and I have been calling it since we saw the first trailer. We are like, we gotta see 47 Meters Up. It looks so good. <laughs> that's, that is totally, that is totally what James and I jokingly call it, yeah. We, we could have called it 47 Meters Up, of course. It might have resulted in, in lawsuits, no. but uh, no. it's, it's not. It's not accurate anyway. It's much no. higher than that. It's definitely not only forty-seven. Yeah, it's a good formula. Just trap the people 
47 meters in any direction. I can't yeah, wait any for the direction. next sequel. Pick a direction. 47 meters sideways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, so if you th- watched this movie and you thought that it was pretty straightforward, you were wrong because I'm going to blow your mind with this theory. Now, listen, because this could get a little complicated. Okay. I would love to hear it. <laughs> the main character is named Becky, and she has a best friend named Hunter. They go climbing a lot. Hunter did not die. She actually murdered Becky's husband, Dan. Oh. And then faked her own death to start a new life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. Okay. Um, Okay, this goes like way many layers deep. She faked her death. So it was an elaborate ruse by Hunter. And she pretended... um, then what happened to Becky in that theory? Did Becky get down or? She did. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, <laughs> here's how it happened. <laughs> I just so, got to preface this. As far as the theories we covered go, um, this one's, it may be the most out there. So that would be the biggest bombshell, I think, is in this movie, the big plot twist is Hunter died. Even though it seems like she survived for a little while, we find out that she dies. I am saying Hunter actually survived. Okay. We'll get into why I believe that and the preponderance of evidence that exists for that theory. They did show her fall about 1,900 feet to the ground. No, she fell onto a satellite first. And yeah. And her body just chilled there for a while, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then it, the, after she was dead, they knocked her down the rest of the way. Or Becky did. That's, that's what the movie would have us believe, is that Hunter tried to make a jump. She didn't quite make it. She fell onto like this random little platform that's just there and died and birds ate her. And then eventually Becky climbed down right. to the platform and shoved Hunter off to cushion her phone so that she could like make a phone call from, from the ground floor send a text send a text yeah it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable and i think my theory is is more believable (laughs) i kind of think the opposite but okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so so i know what you're thinking i this is way out there why this movie was so simple but why do i believe this well so to to prove this theory there are a few points i'm gonna have to prove and i'm gonna lay them out here First, we need to prove that hunter sabotaged dan's gear to murder him that Dan being Becky's husband who died uh, at the beginning, who dies at the beginning of the film. Okay. And the next thing I need to prove is that Hunter had motive to murder Dan. Okay. And I need to prove that Hunter faked her own death. <laughs> and survived. Those are the things that I need to prove. Right at the beginning of the movie, we see Dan and Becky climbing together, having a great time on this cliffside. They start to make out because they're just having so much fun. And immediately, (laughs) Hunter screams from across the side of the cliff, Ew, gross, get a room. Which I thought is good consistency because she, you know, she's cheating with Dan. (laughs) So she's like, you, don't don't kiss my lover. Yeah, Yeah, she's jealous. Right after that, Dan falls to his death. Now, if my memory serves, it was not his gear that malfunctioned, but rather... The hole in the cliff that he inserted his gear into (laughs) that uh, did not hold his gear up. They are using what is called cams to anchor into the rock face of a very high cliff as they climb up. Becky Mm -hmm. 
already, before she's even had a traumatic experience, seems terrified of climbing. Mm-hmm. Even though they imply that she's a highly experienced climber and she does this all the time, she's already doing the thing where she like cowers against the walls like, I can't do it, Dan. Well, <laughs> but maybe she's just trying to like fit in with the in crowd. Like all her friends are climbers, so she wants to be like them. You know? <laughs> two other people up there. Okay. Those are her only two friends. <laughs> That's They're true. the only people she cares about. <laughs> So they are climbing normally with cams and ropes and harnesses. Hunter Mm -hmm. is free soloing like the total badass she is. I don't even Mm -hmm. think she has a chalk bag, which is what usually the only thing you really bring with you if you're free soloing. Free solo is when you climb, you do rock climbing, usually up a cliff or whatever, without any gear at all, except for like a bag of chalk to keep your hands from, you know, getting sweaty and stuff. If you fall, you die. But free soloers, even though they seem like these like adrenaline junkie badasses, they're pretty smart and they practice their routes. They don't do it all at once. If they're not feeling it on a certain day, it seems like it's just not going right. They don't know the route. They'll just climb back down and they'll try again the next day. Well, right. All the ones who are alive climb like that, because if they didn't, they wouldn't be alive anymore. Right. You know, it's a dangerous activity where one mistake will get you killed. So you have to be incredibly careful if you're alive. It's sort of what's it called? Survivorship's bias, right? (laughs) Like the ones who are alive are the careful ones. Yes. Dan cams into the rock. Now, these cams are spring-loaded metal dealies. I'm not a climber. (laughs) Hey, where do you get those metal dealies for his feet? (laughs) (laughs) Or shoes. (laughs) <laughs> What's the attitude? I just want some dealies. <laughs> Can't remember the word shoes. No. Some horse dealies for his feet. <laughs> They're spring-loaded things that come out and hold on to crevices and things like that. They're well-tested. Um, if they're new, they should be enough to hold your weight and they should not break or come loose if you have cammed it correctly. An experienced climber, which Dan is, should cam it into the rock and then make sure that it's secure by pulling on it and checking it before they just assume that that is a secure anchor. So he would have checked this cam to make sure it was properly anchored. Or he wouldn't have and would have died. (laughs) Wait, that's what happened. (laughs) I was on one of the subreddits about climbing and they were like, those cams would never fail like that. So... The thought was that maybe Hunter sabotaged Dan's equipment Mm -hmm. because he didn't choose her, Mm -hmm. he chose Becky. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, Hunter would never get back at Becky because she loves Becky, but she doesn't feel the same way about Dan, you know? (laughs) She'd take that that guy out. (laughs) You know, if the Reddit authorities take (laughs) take issue with this scene, then by golly, it must be. (laughs) You must be right. (laughs) Now, uh, a side note, in the normal interpretation of the movie, I love that Hunter is just so badass here. She's like, I'm coming down to presumably rescue Dan, but she's like Uh a free soloer with no equipment. What's she even going to do? She's going to catch him. Climb down and just grab him. (laughs) and climb up with him on her back. (laughs) Anyway, she seems to assume, and as far as I can tell, is right, that she can do anything that she wants to do. (laughs) I'm I'm getting mixed messages. You're you're trying to convince me that Hunter's a murderer, but you 
seem to be talking about her as if you admire her. <laughs> oh, I love her Hunter. Badass, telling her how, how great <laughs> she Hunter is. Hunter is my favorite character She in seems this like movie. a horrible person so far. Well, she, uh, but... <laughs> she, she had an affair with Dan, you know, her best friend's husband, and then murdered him. <laughs> right, right. She, she may be a horrible person. I'm not going to argue that. I just still kind of think that she's a cool badass. You know, like we might think about other cool badasses. I don't know, like Walter yeah. White. He's kind of a cool badass, but he's not wow. a good person. <laughs> <laughs> so Hunter is the Walter White of fall. She's the one people are afraid of when they're on the rock cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Little side note. In a movie like this, where you're like trapped in one location on top of a tower or say in a ski lift, you don't want your name to be Dan, apparently, because Dan dies here and Dan died in the movie Frozen. Adam no, Green's he didn't. Frozen. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, Have you seen right. Frozen? <laughs> Nobody died in that Sorry, movie. Sorry, we proved no one <laughs> it was died all in prank. Frozen. Just ask Adam <laughs> Green. <But> he knows. <laughs> watching Frozen normally, Dan gets eaten by wolves. <laughs> don't you mean he played with his trained wolves? <laughs> yes. All right, Dan played with his trained Trained wolves. <laughs> Clearly what happened. Go listen to our Frozen episode if you're I, curious I gotta listen to that what episode. we're that rambling on about. It was really good. We even had a great guest. Yeah, legendary Adam Green, director of Frozen, director of the Hatchet series, um, star of his own podcast, the Movie Crypt podcast. It's about 12 months later, the next time we see Becky and she's getting drunk. She's getting messages from her dad but she doesn't answer him. He leaves a message saying, I've tried to console you in every way I know how. As we see later from his personality, this implies he does not know how to console people. Mm, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> because his methods for trying to console her are not good at all. So, so far, I don't disagree. <laughs> he told her, must have been just a few months ago, less than 12 months after her husband died, that she shouldn't be so broken up about it because her husband was an asshole. <laughs> right. It's not a very nice thing to say. <laughs> he claims he didn't say that, but that's what Becky says that he said. And I would be more inclined to believe Becky in this instance because, yeah, you know, the dad is being rational. defensive. Throughout this yeah, she, movie, she, she doesn't ever hallucinate. She's a trustworthy. things that didn't happen. <laughs> Here's one of the things we know with abusive parents that they're always like, the rules apply to me, but not or the other way around. The rules apply to you, but not to me. <laughs> He's like authoritatively permissive. He's like, no, don't you understand? You get to that. do everything and I am subjugated. The other way around. Subjugate me more. <laughs> Oh, he's such a masochist <laughs> he's so into it he's like i need more rules no no the other way around the rules apply to you but not to me when becky swears at him and i have to point out that she is an adult woman he says you don't get to talk to me like that we raised you better than that the next thing he says to her is he insults Dan again, and then he says, I don't care about your grief, sorrow, whatever the hell this is. And then he swears at her and says, you know damn well, god damn it, Becky, I need you oh, to no. try. <laughs> he did teach her to use that language. <laughs> I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> so again, oh, man. the rules apply to her, rules but not for to me, him. But not for thee. <laughs> Wait, backwards. So interesting to note, when she swears at him, it was in the original cut of the movie, it was probably a lot more vile, like the things yeah. that she said mm -hmm. to him. Um, and that's why it seems like he's overreacting. It's almost like 
a few years ago, I was on a plane. So the movie Spy had just came out. So it must have been about 2015. Uh, Spy, of course, being, uh, you know, starring Jude Law, um, Jason Statham, Melissa McCarthy. Uh, she has to pretend she's a spy. <laughs> but anyway, um, of course, I was on an airplane. So the cut of the movie, this being a rated R movie with a lot of, you know, swearing and bad language in it. I ended up watching the airline cut of the movie, which removed all the swearing and bad language, which made it a truly amazing masterpiece of a movie. Because in this movie, she has to convince everyone that first she is a rough around the edges, hardcore bodyguard. And and then that she is like a master assassin psychopath with no feelings or anything. Right. And she does this by constantly just mouthing off and swearing at everybody. (laughs) And I've never seen the uh, theatrical cut of this movie but in the cut of the movie that i saw she uh flipped her lid and suddenly started calling everybody why you doo-doo head you sack a doo-doo and just really went off on those doo-doo heads which caused all these hardcore criminals to just you know recoil in disgust and say whoa whoa calm down hey you don't need to go that hard is that kind of language It was an amazing movie. But yeah, I think something like that happened here because apparently the original cut of Fall included over 30 uh, F-bombs that they had to cut out. So what they ended up doing was, I guess, they used artificial intelligence dubbing technology to not only alter the language that was used, but also the on-screen mouth flaps. (laughs) Now, I've heard that it was at Lionsgate request that the movie Fall be censored, that it had too many F-bombs, uh, it had just too much swearing in general, mm-hmm. and then that you brought Flawless AI in to do the censoring. Is that right? Uh, more or, or less. It, was it yeah. your own choice? It was, or? yeah. Okay. I would say look, it's, it's the, it was a bit more, it wasn't kind of that black and white in a sense. It was actually the point where we made this movie um, without a domestic distributor. So, so we made it for very little money. And, and then when we finished the movie, it was a case of playing it to Lionsgate, who I'd done movies with in the past, and we all had relationships there. And we kind of previewed it early with them. They really liked it. They were very supportive of it. And they said that, look, we have a window we'd like to put this out in, and we'd like to put it out wide, but we can't put it out wide if it's if it's got third. We, they did an MPA pass. We were surprised how many swear words there were because we never planned it to be uh, an R-rated movie. But <laughs> right, it turned, just, yeah, it was all, all acting at the top of the towers. <laughs> there was all this like fucking, and, and uh, yeah. there was about 36 or 35 F-bombs, uh, mainly from Ginny, by the way, who's <laughs> the one with a real potty mouth. <laughs> she, will, uh, she will agree yeah, on that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and so they, uh, yeah, so basically they said, look, but we need it PG-13. Can you guys uh, do that? And so we looked first about reshooting, which is like the typical way you would do this stuff, right? Well, we looked first actually at editing them out, right? Like edit very often, like edit behind a head and do these kind of things. And we went through that process, but there's nowhere to cut to because it's two people sat in the middle of nowhere on a tower. So that quickly kind of right. thing. So we're like, okay, well, what do we need to shoot to make this work? And what do we need to reshoot? And we're going through that process and costing it out. And it was costing an absolute fortune because obviously you have to kind of get to the top of the ding, da, 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 and there's all these. Um, and we really didn't want to do it any kind of blue screen, green screen stuff because knew how that would have kind of fucked the movie on on all the efforts we've done to do it genuinely um yeah. and um and, and really it was a kind of it was these two worlds that i've had a foot in each for a little while now in terms of like we've been building up a um the the ai company and really the focus on the build out of all that technology has been 
has been a platform that serves uh, uh, translation mainly, right? So to take kind of translation right. dialogue. Um, and and we were, it was prior to us actually launching product. It was when things were still in the dev cycle um, or, or kind of starting to kind of move into kind of a production cycle. And, um, uh, but but we'd, we'd recently kind of got it to a point where we were able to deliver cinematic uh, level, like Ace's Color Space, like full like IMAX resolution um, deliverables, which was a big kind of turning point in the company. And um, and it, I don't even think it was my suggestion. Someone else had said, like, why don't we just use that for this and like do new dialogue? Um, and it and it's so obvious now. Now someone says it, but it's like it it became this. You know, say, yeah, why why don't we try that? And then so we uh you know so we tried it, and then it worked, and so we went for it, and and we did it, and it was kind of a quite fitting thing that a journey on one side uh, of 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 a thing I was doing kind of fit neatly into this other one, um, and uh, and we were able to pull it off. There's a slight compromise there, maybe on a couple of those lines, but generally it is the movie. That, that I I envisaged and it's what I wanted and it tells the story and same with Ginny and Grace. Do you know what I mean they were very involved in this process and and they you know we were all proud of what came out came out of it and and I think we we got a chance to it was weird that I got basically to show my kids who are twelve and ten um, and they were able to watch one mm-hmm. of dad's movies and even though it is a bit much actually when I was watching with them I'm thinking yeah. I'm scaring these kids for their life <laughs> but uh, um, they um, yeah they got to watch it because they were in it they have a little cameo in it actually in the movie so um, oh. they got to, to kind of watch this movie go at the premiere and hang out with everyone do all this stuff and I think um, and it was nice to be able to share it and I'm glad like for me. I'm so glad it was able to play wide. Like it's it's a much wider audience it's had to reach. And, and we probably wouldn't be having oh, yeah. this conversation if it hadn't had that opportunity. So I think it's, you know, as a as a example of of kind of uh something that benefits kind of filmmaking as a whole, I think it's a great, a great example. That's just unbelievable. It's so incredibly serendipitous. It, it's ridiculous. I know the and exact P, product you need yeah. to solve the exact problem. It's, it's problem like it's like had. a great plan kind of four years <laughs> in the making without realizing. I mean, to me, it's just it is my probably my all time favorite, like legend of filmmaking, yeah. like the little myth of filmmaking there, because to me, it's like you've got like Tony Stark and his his suit, his Iron Man suit just got crushed. Yeah. He doesn't have any Iron Man suit and the bad guy's coming. And then he's like, wait, in my closet, I've got a prototype suit that I've never tested before, but it's just what I need at just the right time. And then he puts it on and it's even more powerful than what he thought. That's, <laughs> like, right. that's basically what you did with this AI. You're like, wait, I've got it in my closet and it will do everything we need it's, and better. It's like, uh, that's funny. What a great analogy. Well, thank you. It's a, yeah. I think uh, I love the analogy. I think, yeah. But I think, look, this is, uh, I'll, I'll say what it is as well. Like the start of this thing, I'll shoot a film differently now. I know what we can do on the AI side. And it's going to change how we all make movies, how we all distribute movies. It's got a huge impact. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's, that's what's kind of exciting about it is like you find these new use cases and you find these things in it. And it's like, it's these, it's these power tools for the film creatives, really, that, that gets, you know, that's why I'm, I'm so excited about the flawless piece is it just I, I think we'll we'll have a world where we can make movies that are more kind of a better movie and, and, and have it reach further. And those things are kind of central to us all having more opportunity and making original stories. So I think there's a there's a huge piece of this where it's very exciting. It terrifies some people, of course, the AI piece, but uh, even just the ability to tweak one word in the perfect take is, is insane when it comes to directing like. It's an incredible yeah, product. It's it's really cool. It's like it's yeah. Then it's and what's coming down the pipe on it of where it's going is is even more kind of crazy. So I think you you know, and I think as filmmakers we're gonna enjoy it. No, I mean one hundred percent.
Now, Hunter gives us a few hints as to what her plan is when she first talks to Becky about climbing the tower. She says, mm-hmm. I'll rest when I'm dead. She's already foreshadowing that she needs to fake her own death so that she can rest. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> why else would she say that? She doesn't know she's going to die in the normal interpretation. Well, it, it's just foreshadowing by the writers. <laughs> yeah, <you> yeah. <laughs> that exists. <laughs> Uh, she wants to climb the B-67 TV tower over 2,000 feet straight up. Now, this is this is a little suspect. Why, and this was something mentioned on the Reddit climbing boards as well, why would a free soloer want to climb a TV tower? That's not right. hard it's or exciting. It's a ladder. Right? It's just climbing a ladder, yes. <laughs> it's I a mean, big so ladder. My, my interpretation of this was that she wanted to get uh, Becky back into climbing, and she wanted to do it with something that made her feel like super triumphant and like a yes. you know real champion, but in a way that was as safe as possible. So she's like, let's climb a really tall ladder, <laughs> you know, uh, road trip. So Hunter live streams while driving and almost gets them killed. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I love the way she's just constantly trying to be that person who dies in a horror movie by just being a reckless jerk all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but. I believe that this is calculated. She is a live streamer. She wants everyone to know exactly how reckless and stupid she's being. And it's a calculated move because it makes her death more believable. The death that she is going to fake. She now has thousands and thousands of witnesses that can attest. Oh yeah, Hunter was totally reckless. It makes sense. We were thinking she might die eventually, right? She almost got hit by that truck. (laughs) If you've even seen her in one scene of this movie, you know that she's reckless. (laughs) She she does something reckless in literally every scene she's in. She's, she's a reckless girl. Yeah, yeah. So she pulled out in front of the truck on purpose. That's her alibi. There. And then, and but she wasn't meant to hit the truck, right? Like she she she, she wasn't. No, 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 no. That would just be crazy. <laughs> I love Hunter. I mean, she's an amazing character. Yeah. And I think what's so good about her is that she's surprising, um, because when you first start watching the movie. She seems like that reckless character who you're supposed to almost hate a little bit. Mm, and you kind yeah. of like, oh, she's going to die first. She's definitely yeah. going to die. <laughs> and then, but then as it goes along, she really steals the show and she becomes her own character. And she does end up dying first, but, you know, you don't yeah, find that right. out till the end. And and she just, she really mo- like surprises you morphing from what you feel is almost a flat character to, to a yeah. really, uh, really surprising. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I think there's two there's two um, evolutions I would say in her character. Like one one was that the very first draft we ever did of this was was um, was with where Dan was going up with Becky, and it was actually uh, uh, a different dynamic. Like uh, weirdly, Hunter did exist in the first act of the movie, and it was Dan had had an affair with Hunter, her best friend, and then they were facing this thing at the top. And really, it was a lot more interesting having the two friends exploring living and what's life kind of thing right like why do we do this and we kind of look at these kind of thrill seeks and our fear of death and everything and it all relates to kind of life and death and what is life and living life um and i think the the central idea of you have one character who after a great loss retreats and goes and goes down right and then you have another character that has the capacity to well that hides from it another way by going out and kind of living on the edge and pushing yourself to to near death and i think and the, both those journeys can then have 
a kind of arc journey where you where one of them you're peeling away the truth of who's really underneath and peeling away the facade which is which is hunter right what she's hiding behind the thing she has to get past is like stop pretending stop hiding behind that facade um and and be honest about about what what's going on and and with becky you have kind of the opposite where she needs to kind of really um climb out of that hole and kind of embrace you know find the will to live you know and really and take her character from a place of wanting to die to fighting to live, you know, to gobbling a vulture and fighting a way to survival. <laughs> um, you had mentioned the vultures. Um, and I just wanted to ask, when did that come about? The decision to use vultures oh, as like the, the, the threat. Can I, can, can I read you the, the, the fucking vultures? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so yeah they, oh, i tell you what you know when they say don't work with animals um uh yeah it's it's, a, it's a, for all the chances on the movie that was one that was the hardest to kind of surpass i think um no it was it was you know the guys to be fair the guys and the vultures themselves were great but but it's but it's hard to direct vultures it turns out they really don't do anything you ask them to do um um but who would have thought you would have thunk it right um uh but no i i um yeah it was I think it was a case of I tried to kind of theme it in as well and that, that if you actually look closely like Dan at the start of the movie it's really a bird that kills him right that shoots out of a, a gap and kills him and I thought <laughs> the ultimate is is Becky kills the bird at the end and it'll, that'll, 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 that'll do the art um, but, uh, she saved him yeah, right. she avenged him I yeah guess. avenged yeah <laughs> in some strange way um, uh, but I remember it was you know I, I again I think it's about survival I remember there being some controversy about the bird and about killing the bird and I remember you know a few people involved in the movie were just like you can't kill an animal do you know what I mean people are going to go nuts and which kind of in my mind I think it's crazy right we kill animals we eat animals all day long and just because it's behind <laughs> a wall doesn't mean we don't do it so let's like not pretend that we're not actually at our nature uh these primitive beasts so I think Becky at the start of the movie is the last person on earth you would expect to uh to kill that bird <laughs> but I will say actually I, I will say another another credit that is deserved here the inspiration of that bird and what happened my 96 year old uh grandmother my grandmother by marriage i guess but but she um she used to fly, uh, fly um uh fighter jets and things in the in the second world war so very kind of you know amazing history this lady um but she's like uh, by if you would meet her you'd think oh she's kind of like she's old she's a little frail and she's dotting around her house and she was telling sarah and i once this story of um we went to visit her and and there was something out in the yard we're like what's that what is that in the yard and she said, oh oh and she said these um, these crows they keep eating all the putty in my windows and she described the story how this big black crow kept going to her windows pecking out the putty you know the sealant between the glass and because she lived out in wales she would you'd be freezing and she, and and it was this cycle and she said so, so what i did sarah as i i went I, I snuck behind it when it was eating the putty and i grabbed it by the neck and she described how this oh, massive gosh. crow was fluttering around and then she had to beat it to death <laughs> Oh and she really did this and then she said and then i put it on a spike and that's what's on the lawn and no crows have come oh anywhere near <laughs> it was like wow so she made an example she out totally of it did. and she, <laughs> she went medieval and, <laughs> she went medieval holy crap and, uh, she's and a was sweet a, old lady uh, sweet old lady and that's why <laughs> that's why i always kind of justified uh, becky would definitely be able to kill that vulture if needs be so uh it was inspired <laughs> yeah it was it was inspired by mary hunter 
Um, and if you see the footage of the 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 kind of doll we use to do the kind of physical stuff, it is like we all laughed on set out loud when we were watching uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we were watching Grace do this thing. She's just like beating up this large like feathered like <laughs> polystyrene thing, which looks silly, but but you know it's it's uh, through the magic of movies when you combine it with uh, the right sounds and the right visuals, you get away with the yeah with making it look like something it wasn't. So yeah, it looks great in the movie. So, right, they, they get it to the, the tower. So on the way up there, they come across the carcass of a mangled, dying, I don't know, looks like, a, what a do you think it is? Like something? a jackal. It's the, the, a mangled, dying animal that's being picked at by vultures. Hunter's joke post, and I, I put joke in air quotes there. I know you can't see me, but her <laughs> joke post where she takes a picture of this mangled, bloody body and then writes feeling peckish and posts it would make no sense at all to her followers. <laughs> I I understand how to her it was a joke about the birds because that were, the birds pecking, were pecking the body, but, but there were no birds in her picture and nobody <laughs> would be able to tell that that bloody mess in the picture had been ripped apart by vultures. Now, Hunter knows a lot about this tower, as she explains to her followers. She knows the exact length of the ladder and when she's going to get to the ledge, and then how long of a climb after to get to the platform on top. Even Googling statistics about these towers, it's kind of hard to find information except for just the, the overall height. I believe she has climbed this tower before. She climbed With, it before. like a measuring tape. Yes. <laughs> she, she she's surveyed she's very this tower. <laughs> like I said, she climbed the route that well, she, she had to because she needed to, to loosen all those screws, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She had to loosen the screws, so she's already come up and sabotaged the tower itself, just as she did with Dan, where she climbed his route first to know which cams she needed to sabotage. Boy, she's insatiable. I do, I, like, legitimately, I love, <laughs> I think it's an amazing touch how as they climb and, you know, Becky's basically having a nervous breakdown because this is horrible. Um, Hunter's like, just sing a nursery rhyme. It'll keep your mind off of it. And then she picks Ring Around the Rosie. It's the greatest no. song you could ever sing while climbing. No, I, I, th I love amazing. that. That is good writing. That is, that is great. I love when, it. When I was watching that with Christine, I leaned over to her and I said, I would have mm -hmm. gone with Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but then later on, when Hunter is trying to make that jump, the jump where she, quote unquote, falls, she uh -huh. sings Humpty Dumpty yes, sat on a wall. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Humpty had a great fall. Anyway, it's pretty, pretty good. Hunter's trying to look as reckless as possible. And when she gets up on the next ladder... She shakes it <laughs> and mm. the bolts come loose. Now, I believe Pretty this great. was intentional. She had came she up, come up here previously. She had loosened the bolts and she shakes it now. And that's how she knows it will fall later. And that's part of her plan. All right. So they make it to the top. When the, the day before the shoot, I want to say it was, when everything was finally set and we had the safety sign off and all this the stuff that you need, um, we went up there and it was the first time seeing it kind of uh, built. And, and I'll be honest, it did look really scary. The way it's just kind of like <laughs> bobbing around in the wind like a pin. And it's like, and um, 
and myself, uh, Grace and Ginny, I went first, Grace went second, Ginny, we all went up together for the first time ever. And I do remember kind of climbing up the thing and it was like peripherally, you just feel like you're really looking high up. And even, <laughs> even looking down, it still looks high, but but it's peripheral vision. Your mind says, what the fuck are you doing? And so climbing up this thing, it was terrifying. And I remember I got to the top and getting over the, the bit at the top is actually what was hard because you have to kind of come away from the ladder and it is awful. And um and we did it, and then uh, I remember Grace came up after me, and when she saw the saw the view, she she started crying, and and it was relief and kind of a beautiful moment, and all these things, uh, which she then I asked her to kind of hold on to that that feeling and replay it when you do it on screen but it was a really nice and then Ginny mm. came up and we all kind of appreciated the moment that kind of plays in the movie which is like wow look at look at this this is incredible and it kind of got me excited because it was like it was this is this is going to be beautiful as well as terrifying and uh I, I felt it was it was yeah it was really good for it yeah well it's, I, I honestly watching the movie I can I can't tell how much of their performance is acting and how much is like actually oh, I think there's a lot of method going on there yeah. In the air. <laughs> yeah. Those girls. So good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I, I mean I got asked did uh, Grace who played Becky and uh, Virginia who played Hunter of course um were were they okay with the whole process uh, like did either of them have a problem with heights coming into yes, this? Yes, both of them did. No, no they were they they, they okay, I I absolutely <laughs> love them. They they when I, I I guess I should kind of reverse back a little bit when auditioning on this film, a lot of actresses uh, and actors say they they could do anything, right? Like just you know, like wanting of the job, right? Very determined, and so yeah, I've, I've yeah. noticed over the yeah. time that uh, always say yes, yeah, 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 I can ride, I can ride a zebra. It's like it's fine, um, and, <laughs> and whatever. And, and um, I remember uh, when I first met with them individually. I remember showing them the plan because we had the engineering kind of schematics of the the you know of the of the uh the tower and and the cliff kind of uh, drafted out and everything and i remember showing them kind of a printout i said oh this is how we're going to do it because they were like oh we're going to do it in the studio and da, 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 like thinking all these things so i was like, actually we're going to do it for real and this is how we're going to do it and i showed them the kind of the sketch and and it, which basically just made this big kind of tower on the edge of a cliff and two people kind of huddled there and um it's so you'll be up here <laughs> it'll be really high but that story that's stunt trust in the center it shouldn't come down and um uh and 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 i could tell by the white people's eyes who was like really serious to go for it and who was kind of pretending and and it, it wiped out a lot of early uh contenders who would who otherwise you would have thought would have been perfect but but it, they needed the right kind of uh the right attitude going in honestly and and Ginny and grace both had that in spades and they said they were honest they said look i cannot say how i'm gonna feel i'm nervous looking at that picture and i'm nervous thinking about doing this but I have done like I, I think at the time Ginny had done a bunch of wire work on on something she'd done previously. Um, Grace is is very athletic dancer. She you know she's got a lot of kind of physical discipline, um, and they're both they saw kind of embodied the characters that we were writing. It was just felt there was an honesty there which we could tap into and 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 really you know would would kind of pull through the lens. So, Hunter does a one handed hang. Which is cool for us to see in like the wide shots, but it doesn't look that great in the like selfie photo they take. You can very mm -hmm. basically only see their faces. Yeah. So, and then mm -hmm. she forces Becky to do it. <laughs> 
She's a, she's a great friend. She makes Becky do an even more dangerous version I because know. she's only holding on to Hunter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Better to hold on to someone's sweaty hand than, you know, a metal bar. <laughs> so Becky scatters Dan's ashes. Hunter cries, I think because she feels some remorse for killing Dan. Uh, you know, it just kind of gets to her. She says she's kind of surprised that it gets to her. Hunter does not go down the ladder when it collapses. She's been trying to seem stupid this whole time, so it's believable when she quote-unquote dies, and she's live-streamed everything so there's evidence, but on the most dangerous part of her plan where the ladder collapses, she puts Becky on the ladder. She's smart. She's not risking her own life with this risky stunt. Now, I believe she does ultimately want Becky to survive, but if someone's going to die, it might as well be Becky and not her. But she does save Becky here. You know, she pulls her up. Uh, there's an emergency box. Yeah, dude, she with... is really strong. Like, yeah, to not no. only catch Becky, you know, like, I am presumably, like, what, 100, 110, 115 pound weight just dropping. And it's just, oh, okay, I'll just catch that weight and pull it up. <laughs> like, pull your uh, dead weight up. You're not, she's not even using her feet. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of believe that Hunter's actor, she looks a little more like she's got some muscle. But man, Becky mm. doesn't look like she could do no. any of this stuff. <laughs> and she doesn't. Even though she thinks she does. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So, um, <laughs> she, well, like, that was my favorite part of the movie because later on, when she, spoilers, thinks that she pulls Hunter back up when really Hunter died, um, it turns out she didn't. And she I was just like, pulled a backpack Yay. up. <laughs> she, yeah, and it was so hard for her to pull that backpack up. <laughs> She's straining and grunting and wrapping it around the. <laughs> I was like, that scene makes so much more sense when you know that she was just pulling up a backpack. <laughs> Becky asks why Hunter does all these reckless things. Hunter says, I would like to be remembered for my life, not my death. And she admits why she's up here with this stupid plan on camera. She says, I do this because of him. She's doing this because she murdered Dan. That's why she's doing it. Right. So when she says, I do this because of him, she means I do this because of him. The RV people steal Hunter's truck. I believe that this is so it won't be impounded later and she'll have it. I think those RV people were working with Hunter. I think she drops her shoe down with a message in it and he looks at it and walks away because he knows, oh, it's not time to pick up Hunter. Like she doesn't just walk out of here after she gets down through the desert. The RV guys pick her up down the road. He only picks up her shoe and looks inside. So I believe she had previously written a note on her shoe that survives the fall. And the plan was always to throw that shoe off. To t uh, She probably had different messages on each shoe. And right, right. Okay. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's like a Paul Revere situation. Yeah. One if I land, two if I see. Left so if things are going great. Right if I need help. <laughs> right. Know? So down, throws down the correct shoe. Right. She didn't it. know That's exactly how code. long this would take. So this guy was supposed to come and check on her. She throws down one but of the dude, shoes. She should have done it backwards because the shoe that she did throw down turns out to reveal her, her relationship. Yes. I think that she she wanted to reveal that secret to Becky before she then why, quote unquote why died. go through with the whole thing? I don't know. She's not going to reveal that she murdered Dan. Oh, <laughs> okay, the, okay. Just the, <laughs> she's she's not shame shameful about the murder. No, she's, he deserved it. She is. She, she just yeah. <laughs> wants to reveal that she cheated with him because that will make yeah, everyone yeah. feel better. I get you. Now, she's not really proud of it because she says it was a huge mistake. It got out of hand. I tried so hard not to, but I fell for him. This is her ironically 
kind of saying it because actually she made him fall for her <laughs> when, <laughs> when he fell She's down. She's so clever and <laughs> evil. <laughs> Not but exactly the says, kind of thing you should joke about. Even if you can turn a phrase. <laughs> she says a, a true statement. She says, I loved him, but I love you more. So I ended Aww. him. Oh, wait. She says, oh, no. so I ended it. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say. Not sure if that's the exact line there. <laughs> but I think she probably wanted so to say, I, I ended, ended him. him. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a big epic scene that was in all the trailers where she has to like swing from the rope and jump to the uh, to the satellite dish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is the reason that she was always playing the song Cherry Pie. <laughs> I think that she was she was alluding to what she was going to do later. Because <laughs> okay. have you ever have you heard the song Cherry Pie? <laughs> Several times in this movie. But well, do you know what the most of the song is about? <laughs> no, I, I don't know the song very well. Basically, 90% of the lines in the song are all about swinging. <laughs> so what? the whole song basically is <laughs> swinging on the front porch, swinging on the lawn, swinging where we want because there ain't nobody home, swinging to the left <laughs> and swinging to the right. <laughs> so that's the whole song. Swinging in the living room, swinging in the kitchen. <laughs> it's swinging Whoa. in there because you want to meet a feeder. Swinging <laughs> the whole song. It's all about swinging. Is every like every single verse of this song is just swinging, 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 swinging. <laughs> Hunter does a lot of swinging <laughs> on the rope. She's swinging on that rope. This is true. I'm, I'm swinging in other senses, I imagine, right? In the, in the, in the back well, yeah. of the yeah. <laughs> With other people's other husbands. People's husbands. There you go. It's, um, yeah. No, that's, um, that's a good theory, but that is not, that is not the reason. <laughs> it was also a thing, like, it was kind of deeply ironic that she was singing about food when she was starving. That was, the, I remember that being something discussed oh, yeah. at some point. It was like, God, of all the songs you want to mm. sing. Um, but, uh, yeah. Right. But, um I don't know why we picked that. I can't remember the exact re- origins of picking it. I just remember it felt, it did feel very Hunter. And I remember even in early drafts, everyone was like, there's no way we can afford cherry pie. There's no way we can do for cherry pie. All these kind of different, you know. I was surprised uh, to see it. I, you know, to be honest though, I, I've always felt um, with, with films very often, um, I've had this right with movies where you pick what what feels like the perfect song and you kind of make the scene with it in mind. You play it on set even and you'll have the feeling all captured and then you have to change it in the end and it kills you. Right. Um, so I remember really early yeah. on there being a lot of discussion of like having to carve out money, which we didn't really have. Right. We had a very tight budget. So to carve out a chunk of money for cherry pie was a hard thing to do. But but it was always like I yeah. think James producer always dangled it as okay, you finish shooting this on time and we do this on budget, then you've got you can keep cherry pie. But if you go over, you know, you lose it. It's going to be some sound alike from God knows where. Uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah, the origins. Uh, unfortunately, don't go as deep as, as maybe you hope, or maybe they do. You know, uh, unreal. Yeah, no, no. yeah, no, subconscious. Everything I hope for. <laughs> I will always love this song because uh, one time when I we I was going on a short road trip with some of my buddies in uh, in high school, and this song came on the radio, and we were all listening to it in the car, and then one of my friends suddenly perks up and like he's he's looking around the car to all of us he's like hey guys you know you guys know that i i I just realized this but i don't think this song's actually about cherry pie (laughs) 
we were all like, dude, <laughs> you think? <laughs> we just, I thought it was a very, very innocent moment for this guy who thought he was so clever figuring out, you know, the, the raunchy undertones of this song. <laughs> That's the point of the song. And it's not, we weren't like young. We were all like 17. It's <laughs> like, dude, you just figured this out. It's like that song about peaches. Just about peaches, did you know? I don't I don't know what song you're talking about. Oh, you know that it's so there's a song about if I could have my little way, I'd have peaches every day. (laughs) And then it's like millions of peaches. peaches. Peaches for me. Millions of peaches. Peaches for free. And it talks about him climbing up into a tree as a kid and finding a peach and like sticking his finger into the peach. Oh, he just loves peaches. He's like (laughs) And everyone, of course, assumes it's a very sexual song. But the the artist, the person who wrote it, is like, no, it's just about peaches. When I was a kid, I really I really I found an orchard full of peaches. That's what it's about. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. At this point, Hunter has said all that she needs to say. She's apologized. It's time to fake her death. She ends with, I'm sorry, Bex. I love you. This is the part where she's going to fake her death. So let's, let's look at this part. She needs Becky as her, her alibi. She needs someone who's scared out of her wits, yep. who's willing to believe anything, who will tell the authorities, oh yeah, Hunter fell, she died, <laughs> dropped to her death. So when she climbs down, uh, after they get up, she climbs down to the satellite mm-hmm. dish. Now, Becky cannot see anything below the satellite dish. And Hunter is the one who says, the ladder is broken off below it. <laughs> But this Hunter is, is lying. Right, I see. <laughs> the Hunter is lying. Okay. The ladder is there. During that part where Hunter makes the jump and Becky, for a long time, Becky sees nothing. She's just sitting up on top of the tower. It takes her a long time to look over. She's like, pull me up! She's like, go! (laughs) (laughs) During that time, before, uh, you know, uh, before Becky looks down, that's when Hunter just climbs down the ladder that's there oh, wow. below and the satellite just, dish. And she and just pulled up the back, She right? just leaves. That's all, and that's what was happening. But, <laughs> yep. but how, do you explain, exactly. how do you explain her looking down uh, and, and seeing Hunter's body, though? Well, see, I yeah. was in her mind. You explained it in, in your movie. Yeah. <laughs> you already answered that for us, is that Becky is an unreliable narrator. She, is an unreliable she looks down idea. and she sees nothing. Yeah. Because Hunter's not there. She's actually seeing the truth right there. Yeah. Eventually, she comes to believe the lie that Hunter has been ah. telling. And that's when she starts to hallucinate that there is a body there. Right. It's a <laughs> when there actually the isn't. Yeah. It's a, a, a twist within a twist. <laughs> wow. This is incredible. This is, uh, this is great. When do we reveal this, though? Is so, this the start of the sequel? When both of them are alive? No, this is... Yeah. <laughs> This is something that you really, plummet. really just, uh, it, it's its below the surface. Only the smartest viewers. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Well, I'm glad they caught onto it because it was hard to write and like weed that in without, you know, right. Probably, I have to say. John and I are thrilled that they, they figured that out. I mean, just think about it. What are the odds that Hunter's body would have landed on that satellite dish and that it wouldn't break? Like, that's where the ladder broke. (laughs) Well, and it starts to break when uh, when Becky gets on it. Like, and Becky's a twig. (laughs) Like, if it didn't break from, you know, Hunter, who's actually like kind of buff um, from Hunter landing on it. 
then it definitely wouldn't break from Becky standing on it after she yeah. drops Hunter off. I guess if there's two <laughs> bodies on it. <laughs> right, but it, it, it doesn't start to break when they're both on it. Only after she drops Becky and then yeah, settles in. True. Then it's like, no, I'm going to break. I'm, I'm like, no, break. no, you definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing on this, on this podcast, if there are any possible continuity errors or bloopers in a movie, yeah. we take those to be fact. Okay. Those were yeah. intended. That, yeah, I <laughs> there, there are no I, mistakes. Okay, that's, that's definitely not true. Uh, I want to see which one you call because there is a, you know, there is a lot. I, I, I always, I always kind of reassure myself a little bit with films is that it's hard to make people follow plot points. Like, like, you know, to really follow plot points, they say like say it, say it, and see it two or three times, right, to really kind of follow it. Um, and then very often I feel like you can maybe get away with things with when you don't look too hard, but there is a lot in there if you look hard or not even hard, just lightly. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to these. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So right after Becky looks yeah. down and quote unquote realizes Hunter is dead and sees her body, yeah. we get a wide shot mm-hmm. of the whole tower and you can see the satellite dish and there is no body on it. So I think what that's telling us is it showed us the lie and then it cuts back to show us outside of Becky's perspective. Here's the truth. And that's where the really smart viewers hone in and they're like, aha, (laughs) the wide shot (laughs) is the truth. Let's say that's 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 what we did intentionally. And then let's not mention (laughs) it got past QC on a V effect. It's like, can you even tell? Mm, Yeah, (laughs) it's probably what happened. Uh, But yeah, that's I don't I didn't realize that i you know <laughs> i'm discovering these things myself so uh, yeah good point though <laughs> now this theory unfortunately may ruin becky's arc a little bit okay. because um <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> um after this point she's dehydrated she's hungry yep. she's hallucinating this theory doesn't believe she does any of the things that she, she d- did she yep. doesn't climb to the top of the tower yep. and recharge anything she never flies the drone because she couldn't have because the app was on Hunter's phone, not hers. And so she had no ability to fly that drone. So that didn't happen either. That was her imagining. What really happened is that Hunter goes away to start her new life. She needs Becky to believe that she's dead so Becky can tell everyone. Yep. And then uh, Hunter just sends in an anonymous tip to the to the the 911. And that's why the ambulance comes. We don't see exactly how Becky gets down. That's, it's just 911 yeah, comes and they help her down. Yeah, entirely, and then, <laughs> that was entirely intentional. It wasn't that that scene was too expensive to shoot and we had to cut straight to the bottom, was it? <laughs> um, so that's basically yeah. the whole theory and okay. then Be- someone must have called becky's dad and yeah. that's why he shows up then yep. um and then there's a tarp on the ground yeah. um uh, i don't believe that's covering hunter's body mm-hmm. uh we saw that there were like dead animals dead coyotes around they just covered that <laughs> up because becky's maybe park of the dog you know that, that came back and tried to search yeah, for that shoe right. and then it, yeah it, it, it died yeah <laughs> Um, that's, that's what that is. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's, yeah, that's, um, that's a wild theory. So, I have to say that's um, yeah. It's born from people like me who just love Hunter, yeah. and we're like, Hunter's so awesome. She's such a badass. She could not have died. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I also like. I share a similar love with Hunter, and I, I think she. Um, uh, um, I think there's. Yeah, there's all kinds of possibilities. Never say never, because there's all kinds of like ways that could go, but. What do you think of my crazy theory 
there's pretty good evidence that Hunter is capable of pretty stupid and unkind things based on based on her actions throughout the movie. Um, you know, her having an affair with her best friend's husband and uh, doing all these crazy, stupid things that she does as part of her day to day life. You have raised enough evidence to cast concern and doubt on the circumstances surrounding Dan's death. It's possible that there was a ladder right under the radar dish. Well, we can't trust anything after that point in the movie. She's, she's hallucinating I mean, Hunter. And the fact honestly, that she yeah. thinks she flew the drone, when she clearly did not, none of right. that could well, have she happened. Couldn't she have. couldn't like have charged said, it. it. She couldn't have phone. used it. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that she observes is in doubt. Everything that you have posited, I can't deny reliably. So I can't say that this didn't happen. Uh, no, it's it's fun, this, though, isn't it? It's like coming... It, the thing is, when you have, like, the unreliable narrator, you can kind of insert, you know, whatever whatever it is believed right like it's it's up to up to the audience to derive what they what they believe and there's things in there that we you know I, I, there are things kind of we leave uh, sometimes just and, and just either try and get away with or think oh that might throw people into thinking this and that and and it's kind of fun uh but yeah but that's a pretty wild theory <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch what <laughs> i can't disprove it which is my favorite kind of theory. So there you go. <laughs> Confirmed. Wow. 100% So true. if you're fans of Hunter, as I was, I think this is the theory for you. Music for this episode was provided by Christine. Yeah, just want to say I really liked Fall. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you haven't seen it, find it, watch it. It's a really fun movie. I, I mean, if, if you enjoy like survival horror type of movies, I really liked it. Yeah, give it some love. All well, right. uh, thanks everybody for listening. And remember, the popcorn isn't real.